If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And then they have to make it clear, like, Joey's like, oh, no, I totally have the balls to stay. I'm just worried about the ladies and the kids and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, we can build a giant monument to me somewhere else. <laughs> and, and there's this amazing moment where she goes like, will, will things be better in Missouri? And he's like, <laughs> always no never in history was the answer to that question yes yeah well things <laughs> god awful movie 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because atheists have to make their own hell. I'm your host, Noah Illusions, and sitting to my immediate left is my good friend, Heath Enright. Heath, welcome back. Thanks, Noah. Uh, before we start, just uh, real quick, I'd like to officially rebuke Eli for his dirty whore mouth. <laughs> okay. So, Eli, stop it. Stop it. Understand. You talk nice. Stop. <laughs> Well, that'll ruin the whole fucking show. And, of course, sitting 81 miles to my right is my bad friend Eli Bosnick and his whore mouth. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? Shit tits, Noah. I'm shit tits. <laughs> Hi, new listener. Hi, Mormon person who read about this on Reddit and was like, oh, I guess I'll check out what the atheists are up to. This is what it's like over here. I'm sorry. I know. Well, it's going to be clean from now on, thanks to me. <laughs> you, you have been rebuked, Good, sir. clean, fun. Shoving buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and also sitting 2,800 miles to my west is our guest masochist tonight. Bryce Blankenagle is the host of the Serial Mormon History Podcast, Naked Mormonism, and he also has a distinct soup-like aroma. Bryce, welcome back, sir. Um, thanks. Um, <laughs> great to be here. It's flipping awesome, man. <laughs> he said thanks. Yes, that's confirmed. Yep, yep. There that's all that's going to make it into the edit. Yep. I don't smell like soup. <laughs> what you it decide I, yeah i was gonna say i added this shit it doesn't matter what he says <laughs> so tell us heath what are we gonna be breaking down today we watched joseph smith prophet of the restoration uh it's the story of jonestown if it happened in the 1800s <laughs> and if the cult leader got his entire crew killed several times before finally <laughs> dying himself <laughs> and also somehow turned an entire u.s state into a segregated country club made of gold that's still thriving <laughs> to this very day with delicious avocado toast well yeah no the, negative the, nancy and eli I was spacious buildings. <laughs> yeah right eli how bad was this movie well if you love biopics but you wish they had all the truth and fact checking of a netflix documentary <laughs> you will love this movie it's like the aliens that built the pyramids for religion. <laughs> yeah. And that actually brings me right into my next question. Bryce, um, and, and honestly, based on the novel level of notes that you've written in on this movie, I feel like I already know the answer. But 
How accurate was this movie? Well, guys, I'm an essayist and I'm not a great essayist as you will be evidenced in the show notes here. Uh, you guys can do the funny stuff. I'll sit here comfortably in my little corner doing Mormon history stuffs. We're going to go on a fun little debunking adventure <laughs> together. There's going to be a lot of debunking. Are you, are you to saying do. this movie was inaccurate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this movie was not even wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. All right. Now, is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? Yeah, I'm going to go with best worst scolding. Which you've already or referenced, I do believe. At one point, Joe Smith gives a scolding to a group of grown men, but it's like a middle school principal giving that speech like the day after the whole school started chanting ethnic slurs at a guest <laughs> performer the day before. And I know this because exactly that happened at my middle school. I, I was just going to say, if anyone knows what school. that sounds like, <laughs> actually, it would be me. I grew up in Georgia. I was going to go, and it's actually from the same scene, but earlier in the scene, I was going to go with best worst sinister laughing. So, guys, mm -hmm. just yeah. a, a quick note from Noah. If you're going to do the sinister laugh after every sentence, there's a hard limit on how many sentences there can be. <laughs> like, by the sixth <laughs> time, it's just goddamn comical, okay? <laughs> so remember that for the next pseudo history, you're right. Okay, so I had a best worst, and it is best worst, don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to say, I've been dealing with Mormon apologetics a lot lately with the Book of Abraham, and the dishonesty of whitewashed Mormon history is completely and utterly mind-bending throughout this movie. Yeah. Also, I'll nominate myself for being best worst, you know, shameless plug for that little Book of Abraham thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. And I, and I got to say, it is truly, it is the best worst because they don't let the facts get in the way of a good story and they don't get a good story. So yeah. it's the best and the worst there. Well done. <laughs> Eli, you got any best worsts? I'm going to go with best worst conversion technique. Uh, and uh, all I'm going to say is we've been wasting our time not challenging Ray Comfort to pull the stick. I didn't realize how powerful <laughs> it was. We'll get there. It's Patreon the goal. <laughs> Multiple right. times. I have Multiple so many questions. When we get there, Bryce, you're going to have to answer a bunch of questions about this. I, I'll say I am a one true Boy Scout because of the stick pulling challenge. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Well, if Bryce's notes are anything to go on, we've got a lot to get to tonight. So we're going to keep the break brief. When we come back, we'll dive into the Bartonian levels of pseudo history that are Joseph Smith, prophet of the restoration. Hi, I'm called the Pug of Pecacorn. Someone gave us money to remind you that if you're choosing a fursona, being a bird is an option. Beaks and a cloaca. Wait, what? Is that real? Sure is, Heath. We don't judge here on god-awful movies. What's what's a fursona? We'll talk about it later. I'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have the best audience ever. From the makers of Joseph Smith, Prophet of the Restoration. My goodness, your painting is beautiful. Thank you, Moishi. Comes the story of one of the most misunderstood artists of the 20th century. Your work is spreading across Europe. Well, painting is really important to me. Adolf, painter of the 20th century. So, you're going to kill uh, how many Jews? Uh, as many as it takes to get enough paint, I guess, because of painting. Great. 
And we're back for the breakdown. And we're going to start off with a disclaimer assuring us that this movie is some true ass shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm going to go ahead and guess no. <laughs> no. Yeah. And it doesn't even say based on a true story. It just says, this is true and fuck you if you don't believe us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First title card. We're not lying and go movie. That's <laughs> yeah. not a great start. All right, so we're seeing, like, bucolic America, and we're hearing the narrator. The narrator in this movie will be Joe's mom. Because if anybody perfectly exemplifies a story about you that's not remotely true and is aggrandizing, it's your mom. <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> right off the bat, this is little context. Lucy Mack Smith, Joseph died in 44. She, in 1845 to 6, that's when she dictated this biographical sketches. She sent a copy of it over to the Brighamite Church in Utah, and another copy over to England where they published it. After it was published, Brigham Young held a book burning of this. He <laughs> commanded everybody to gather it and burn them in a pile, and then he republished it, the church republished it in 1901. Really? Completely changed. Rewritten. Everything is oh, different. Oh, no shit. <laughs> it's a bunch of different authors. They just took huge extracts from the history of the church published correlated version and put that in instead of Lucy's own words. Like, they are rewriting a rewritten, 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 propagandized book that was <laughs> burned at the stake. It's like, that's how we're starting. So if it's like if your mom told a nice story about you, she was like, Eli's big boned. And then he <laughs> waited for my mom to die, burned all the copies of Eli's big boned and printed bones are just that size. You guys have little bones. <laughs> the movie. The movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I can't believe they had that much bullshit in the first six seconds, but okay. Apparently they did. They're going for the Impressive. record. So the narrator comes on and she's like, uh, let me tell you about my kid. And I'm like, no. And we at the whole time we're seeing like log cabins and people doing old shit. And there's I just wanted to point out there's a guy chopping down a tree with this tiny, tiny little axe. Not going to work out. Gigantic. <laughs> tree. Like he would still be chopping at that tree today. <laughs> Joe Senior wasn't the smartest. Just yeah, vibrating deal. like a Bugs Bunny cartoon the whole time. Yeah. One of the fun Easter eggs of this movie is to watch the background farm work. At one point, someone spears a bale of hay, throws it over their shoulder, and then immediately turns around and spears it, throws it back <laughs> the other direction. There's, there's what's supposed to be like a drill press for logs at some point, but yes. no one's moving it. It's just like, it's Still just fucking in into this log over, over and over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> Nobody knows how any of their equipment works. It's amazing. Sometimes the wood Accuracy. grows back. You have to keep, you have to make sure <laughs> they're riding around on their pitchforks and shit. Yeah, right. And to be fair, this first opening set is just how do you make a con man born on a farm seem epic? Music, music, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> well, and his mom telling you how special everyone knew he was right away. Oh, and yeah. she she said uh, we were blessed with a child, and we called him Joseph. I wanted so bad for a Freudian slip there to, for her to say Jesus. So, so, so much. Joseph. Uh, I mean, we're rewriting Joseph's history already. Why not just call him Jesus the whole movie? And that would really be a good, like, that would really tell you where they're going with their rewrite uh, <laughs> right away. <laughs> we also get the first little bit of that classic game called pull the stick here. okay we, i have like, questions 
Yeah, so they didn't have hoops back then. They just had the ones. No, we do get a stick and a hoop at one point. Later they get hoops. Bryce, what's going on here? Pull the stick. Is that real? Pull the stick. Real game. Played it a lot in scouts. It's it's challenging. (laughs) (laughs) And they just accepted gays. You're saying they played pull the stick. And then two months ago, they were like, all right, gays, get in here. (laughs) All right. So now it's it's eighteen seventeen, and and the fams is, is riding their horse drawn carriage past a crazy preacher dude. So basically, we're seeing that uh, Joey was fascinated by crazy preacher dudes, but he didn't think they were quite right. Yeah, I, all my notes are for this scene is he's he's looking out the window and he's like, "This is a good con. I should get in on this shit. Look at this crowd." Yeah. Yeah, no, I so badly wanted a shot where they're passing the collection plate around this group and Joseph's eyes like a fucking cartoon, like boing out of his skull. <laughs> He's just following the collection plate through the crowd. <laughs> so, okay, I also want to add, this is the first appearance of Handlebar Mustache Preacher, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the main antagonist. I have to ask, this was a very surreal moment because I'm a diehard fan of god-awful movies. And all the time you guys say, this is your movie. Why would you show this? <laughs> I had that moment in this movie because this is the church's movie. And they show Joseph experiencing a scene when he was you know, 15 years old that made its way into the Book of Mormon with the King right. Benjamin story. They did, this is their movie. Why did they show it? It would be like like if Shakespeare in Love showed Francis Bacon having all these revelations. (laughs) No, you're not supposed to have wrote this goddamn thing. (laughs) Marlo wanders into the bar. Hey, man, I know you were trying to fuck Gwyneth Paltrow, so I wrote this for you. I'm going to go get stabbed in a bar fight because I'm a spy. All right, see you. (laughs) Also, there's this amazing moment. So, So what we're supposed to learn from this scene, not what we learn, is later he's talking to his older brother Alvin about Mm. hell and he's like I don't know does it seem weird that like everyone's gonna go to hell that seems weird and Alvin goes you remember that seashell you found at Uncle Jesse's and I wanted him so badly to be like and how you put your dick in it that's why you're going to hell (laughs) (laughs) so he gives the uh, preacher gives him a bible tells him to study it Uh, (laughs) and he's like only one rule just whatever you do don't plagiarize this and change stuff around. Okay? <laughs> repeat back what I just said. Plagiarize, plagiarize this, this and change stuff, stuff around. around. No, it, no, it. I said don't. <laughs> One more time. You said Understand. you didn't say don't. Say the, what, the whole thing I just don't. said. Don't. Okay, don't. No, don't. not just don't. Say the whole sentence. What did I say? Plagiarize stuff and God change damn it. stuff around. So, don't. <laughs> so, what we're supposed to get from this scene is that he then took the Bible and studied it real hard, except the truth of how much Joseph Smith could read makes this montage a little weird, right? Because it's Whoa. just a guy yeah. staring at pages, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> he was illiterate, right? So he he's just like fishing and looking at pages until they made sense. Like All of a sudden, well, he's like a beautiful mind and Bible verses and physics fucking <laughs> equations are swirling around in the air and he gets it. Well, I don't think he was illiterate exactly, but he was stupid. And the narrator eventually admits that he never actually read the damn thing, right? Well, it sounds like, I mean, he was essentially taught to read through the Bible, which if you're going to learn how to read, the Bible is not good. Like picture pop-up books, (laughs) that's a great place (laughs) to start. But yeah, it's just showing the formation of Joseph Smith's mind at this time. And if 
if Joseph is like the prophet that he claims to be, it almost seems like he has to be doing this as an island unto himself. Like all mm-hmm. he he couldn't have known all of these ideas that were going on at the time. He couldn't have been going to these revivals if he is supposed to be like this OG Mormon prophet. But they're they're like putting all of this into context, which is at least somewhat historically accurate. Uh, but it just shows like they're just creating a naturalistic explanation for everything that Joseph Smith done in their own fucking movie. I'm just baffled by this whole everything about this. movie. Well, OK, because because look, if you showed him just not being religious at all up to this point, it makes the con all that much more obvious. So you have to pretend like, no, he was a devout kid, always looking for God's stuff all the time. Right. And here's the other thing about this montage, right? What it actually ends up being is an everybody works while Joseph pretends to read a book. We yes, know he can't yes. read. People <laughs> yes. are working on the farm, they're wrangling cattle, and he's just like, the cow went over the moon. Hey, Joe, do you want to help me not die of the ricket? Sorry, I'm, nope. I'm seeing what this cow jumped over. <laughs> They stayed true to it, though, because that's what he did when he was treasure digging, too. He was the seer. He sat there with his face in a hat while all of his treasure digging friends <laughs> were actually the dudes digging the hole. It's you have to know the history to know where they actually happened to make some hits amidst all of their other misses. You know, it's funny. It would take us probably we could go into a 20 minute diversion just explaining what that last sentence about treasure digging meant. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are like 90 things that we could do that. on, So we have to push through. You have to go listen to uh, Naked Mormonism from episode one. So anyway, so at this point, Joey decides that he needs to go ask God about this salvation thing face to face. And he must do it alone because it's like an action movie. So he goes out to Bucolic (laughs) Hill to talk to God. He offers up the desires of his heart. God was totally into it. Basically, they show him like looking around because like this is the I'm going to jerk off in the woods face, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote in my notes, kneeling, smart, always a good position, nothing on your stomach. It's smart. Smart. Wait, He's already figuring this out. You kneel? Yeah, because yeah. otherwise it comes back at you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you get it I, on your stomach. You guys don't like, okay, never mind. <laughs> you, just, you just put the sock on your stomach. It like catches it there. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm with Heath on this one. I'm sorry. I'm not jerking off wrapped in a fucking toga except for my dick. <laughs> no, that's yeah. why that's why no, you weirdo. lay a sock on your stomach while you're no, laying you're not, down and you, you're you not wasting it, it on a sock, Bryce. <laughs> you guys are misunderstanding me. <laughs> well, then you can scrape it off the sock and spread it on toast so, or whatever you want. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Moving Hi, on. Hi, new listener. So, Hi, Mormon. <laughs> Hi, 17-year-old Mormon who read about this. I wonder if this Mormon film is historically accurate. Let me go check with some history people. Right. So he's he's doing the, the praying thing, and then he gets attacked by the, the, the predator? predator? Is that, yes. is that what? <laughs> The predator sneaks up behind yes. him. Yes. <laughs> they have the absolute evil thing sneaking up on him, Cam, up here. But no, that was God entering him unseen i sounds gay but apparently it wasn't he did have his back turned okay no no okay that was that the way that that is told is that was the adversary that like seized his tongue and stopped him from praying because the adversary knew that joseph was about to start the marvelous work in a wonder oh so he had to like internally fight back the devil in order to say that prayer to god so that god and jesus could come down in the sacred grove and appear to him and begin the restoration. (laughs) 
Okay, so he was praying real hard. Then an alien shows up and attacks the predator. And yeah, it's a whole thing. Ripley shows up in the mech suit. And they get a fight. Yeah, that'd be fun. Pretty cool. And just as accurate, historically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. Let's, let's just throw this out there. This never fucking happened. This didn't well, not happen. Only, not only did this not happen, but like this lie didn't even happen. Yeah. Oh, no. This. Okay. This story came out 22 yes. years after it supposedly happened. There were multiple iterations before that, but the version that they're showing us, 22 years was the first time that hit the public's like lexicon of understanding of Mormonism. 22 years. That is what we call a legend. That is folklore. That's how historians yeah. say this was some bullshit made up to sell a religion. Right. Right. Well, all of this was some bullshit, but this was made up way later. This was retro made up. And let's be clear how sloppy this lie is, right? He he finally manages to pray despite the adversary. He turns around and it's God and Jesus. Like God's like, hey, this is my kid, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. you want to say hi? Yeah, it's so funny. And Jesus is all bashful. God's like, this is my son. He wants to tell you something. Go ahead. Tell him. You said you wanted to tell Shut him something. Up. He's like hey. hiding behind his dad's robe. No. I don't want him. Tell him. What, we came all tell the way the down. Tell the lady what you want for breakfast. I'm Jesus. Then. Feel Jesus' stigmata hole so he can penetrate your spirit. No, this was, and this was totally like Joe hitting LD50 of manna from heaven too. Like there's a naturalistic explanation for Joseph going and having like a whole epiphany experience or a theophany experience out in the woods. I don't think that it was praying and it's God. I think it was what he was picking up off of the forest floor and eating. Well, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I had some pretty weird visions when I was 13 too. <laughs> and I also, I love that Jesus and God appear to him and Jesus just goes, I am Jesus Christ. End of scene. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Jesus no, so, really just, didn't have much to say. But then we get one another another one of those like t title card, just like that was not a lie. That all, <laughs> yeah, that I am positive that I knew it was them. They <laughs> knew they were them. Yeah. Shit happened. Wasn't even huffing hat that. fumes yet. This is real. <laughs> he literally says, "I knew it was true, and that's all that matters." And I just yeah. wrote Joseph Smith slash everyone on cops. I knew it was true, <laughs> and that's all that matters. He's just sitting on a curb, shirt off. Like, <laughs> what, what had happened well, was in, in the book. I was. It was buried for. I. We'll get there. We'll get so, there. And okay, and even this, even what they showed, God and Jesus talking to Joe. Even that was a rewriting of the rewritten version that came out 22 years later. Because as the story goes from Joseph Smith, God and Jesus came down and said, none of the religions are true and all of their professors are corrupt. And they even removed that part from the story. Because if any happy, clappy Christians watch this movie, they don't want Mormon yeah. or they don't. Of course, we can't have them thinking that Mormons think their religion is evil and corrupt. I it's so it's so PR friendly and it's such whitewash bullshit. It hurts to watch this. Yeah, they have to whitewash this from multiple angles. It's pretty amazing. So but but the gist of the message is that uh, God told Joseph Smith that he needs to start a church because that's where the real money is. I mean, truth. <laughs> <laughs> so then Joseph Smith goes to tell the preacher about his vision, uh, Father Mutton Chops. But Father Mutton Chops isn't buying it. 
<laughs> he's just like, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for helping with the wheat and stuff, but you're you're a crazy person at best. Uh, so, <laughs> There's no such don't... thing as seeing ghosts anymore. Anymore. Only, <laughs> right, yeah, only the first liars count. That's the rule. <laughs> and to be clear, there were, for every one of these straight edge ministers out there, there were uh, plenty of others that were having like these ecstatic and visionary experiences like the crazy Pentecostal like chanting and visions and speaking in tongues. There were plenty of those preachers out yeah. there. Like Joe was just attending the wrong minister. That's and also one more time, I got to point this out. There's no evidence of this happening. No evidence of him approaching other ministers and talking about the first vision. That story is completely fabricated. Well, and like you said, this was the goddamn burned over district. Yes, right. Yes. And, and and that's why they called it that, because you couldn't walk through for fucking 10 feet without some crazy ass preacher telling you about a vision he just had. Yeah. <laughs> and they're everywhere. They're like published accounts in the Palmyra newspaper from the 1820s of people having similar visionary accounts as Joseph Smith. Like he probably lifted his sacred grove experience from one of those other. accounts. Right. It's, yeah. Oh, my God. It's everything every he did, he ripped step. off of somebody else. <laughs> He was a synthesizer. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> hey, Bryce, just real quick. Maybe this is a better system. Um, you want to just name all the things that there were evidence for in this entire movie? <laughs> right now? The yes. Erie Canal really existed. And we're done. And done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right. So we cut to the Erie Canal now. And at this point, everyone's making fun of Joe for seeing visions. Yeah, he's going like, oh, did you see any other visions? Oh, do you mean the Scottish stereotype that would make Mike Myers blush? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to move on to 1823 and when Joey opens his heart to God again, and this is where he meets the angel Moroni. Woo! Moroni! <laughs> White Woo! and delightsome! White and delightsome! <laughs> <laughs> And that's, of course, Trump is, 2020. <laughs> White and delightsome. Yeah, no, I got Romney that. I bet he'd go for that. Or Romney 20. Yeah, yeah good right. point, Bryce. We'll probably He's going to bring both. Utah values to Washington. I would love Romney 2020. Oh, right. Yeah, no, oh, so good. So good. That'd be so good for my show. Um, like, well, and honestly, at this point, yeah, magic underwear and all, just bring it the fuck in. I'm fine oh, with yeah. that. Just pick a goddamn name out of the phone book. All right. Anyway, oh, I'm going to get depressed if we talk about that. Delicious. So <laughs> Mitt Romney, name a book. Great. You did it. Book of Mormon. Done. You're back. You're okay. yeah. But this is where we see the plates. Yeah. Yeah. We immediately cut to him finding the golden plates. Seems like they left some stuff out there. Uh, and I know. Uh, <laughs> hi, new listener. Uh, but we actually tried to lift plates that are half the weight of the golden ones. Not even. One not even like they're a quarter of the weight of the golden ones that was on one of those anti-Mormon displays. Um, there is no way this 13 year old is lifting even one of these plates, let alone the scene we see where he's got like a stack of them. And he's just like casually chit chatting around with them. <laughs> like running through the forest and knocking motherfuckers out with them under his arm. Like, and okay. One more thing too. Like, Another point that they don't have to show in this movie, but they did in one of the earlier montages, it shows Joseph and all the other Smith boys working in the Cooper shop that was on the Smith farm. So you're showing 
Joseph had the materials and the tools to manufacture a set of plates that the, <laughs> the, the witnesses could have lifted that would have been 60 or 70 pounds made out of tin instead of <laughs> 240 pounds made out of pure gold. You're showing that. You don't have to show that, guys. Like, help help yourselves. We could help you with this. Don't show those parts. They might as well have a scene that cuts in where he's just like holding up a big box that says tin on it and a big box that says lies on it. <laughs> With a bag over his back that has a big dollar money sign on it. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a shop for laser beam to micro engrave stuff. Yeah. <laughs> also, I want to point out. So this is it shows the four consecutive years from 23 to 27 when he goes, and you know, visits the location of the plates every year. So in this time, Joseph is visited by the angel, not named at the time, and later named to be Nephi, and then Moroni later on. Uh, he like it recounts that he saw this angel a bunch of times, you know, like three, four times in the history of the church. But there's a story in H. Donald Peterson who documented fifty-nine heavenly visitations to Joseph Smith and the early Mormons from 1820 to 1836. Fifty-nine. Okay. A person comes up to you on the street and says, I've seen an angel of the Lord. You're like, okay, whatever. If a person says, I've seen an angel of the Lord 59 times in the past five years, you're like, holy fuck. I'll have whatever you're having. Right? Yeah. Yeah, right. No, apparently every time he needed his, uh, you know, so he's just like, oh, wow, those those shoes sure do need reshod. Angel of the Lord. What was that that you just said? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so but this is also where the narrator fills us in on some of the basics of the Book of Mormon, and we actually see the Nehian ziggurats with Jesus descending onto them such that the Nephites can finger his holes. I, I was very <laughs> impressed. They have dirty savages played by Mexicans who are supposed to be Native Americans uh, and an Asian lady a little bit further back in the crowd, which yeah. I, I greatly enjoy. They get the fingering the holes. It's exciting. Mm. And, and this is all accompanied by mom's narration of Joseph could bullshit like nobody's business. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, Why include that? Why was that in the movie? Right. It's you know, weird. Joseph doesn't need the plates if he's already got the idea in his mind. Well, right. And that's the thing. At this point in the movie, if you're following along with the story here, he hasn't translated the plates yet. He's just seen them and talked to angels. And it's and, and the narrator's going, and boy, he could just tell these stories like he was just making them up as he went <laughs> it's it's actually kind of weird that we all listened to a 17 year old child who hadn't read the bible if you or think about it other books wait why am i saying that I <laughs> backsies backsies he definitely didn't get peed on by a hooker what? <laughs> my wife is fine she's at the white house Just <laughs> look at this look at this tweet she sends out happy as a clam and then <laughs> help somebody and, help her. And now we yeah, right, right, exactly. We need to break her out or something. All right. And now we have to add a little heart to it. So we get his brother Alvin dying of nineteenth century. Uh yes. <laughs> Sweaty old times disease. We've seen it so many times <laughs> across so these hundred and forty six episodes. It's it's it kills so many Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and and his Methodist preacher friend comes in and he's like, hey, I don't know if this is the best time, but if your brother isn't baptized, he's going to go to hell. So <laughs> can I just sneak in there, give him a little spritz, and then I'll just get, uh, I'll get right out? Nope. Okay. 
<laughs> I, I got to point out, this is a little bit of foreshadowing right here for what's going to come up later in the form of necromancy in the church. And uh, yeah, and Alvin <laughs> here died of mercury poisoning because Quicksilver was a thing back then. Where would... Okay. I don't even I don't even want to know. Nope, we don't. don't um, <laughs> but of course, Alvin's dying words are, hey, Joey, you know, make sure you do that Mormonism thing you keep thinking about. It's okay to kill people for your religion if you have to. <laughs> it's the best. It's, Joseph, you are awesome and totes my goats a prophet. <laughs> and then we get slow motion dirt dropping funeral. Yeah, so each each member of the family has like one handful of dirt to drop on Alvin's grave. I'm like, man, that's going to take forever. But Joey can't bring himself to part with his dirt. Is that what we're, we're trying to be like? No, I'm actually I'm going to hold on to that dirt. What, what, Magic dirt. And this is the like gun fu moment of the movie because they're like just holding dirt and it's like, ha, 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 ha. And we get like a bunch of that. So stupid. So, okay. So now we get Joey chilling at Alvin's headstone uh, when Father Mutton Chop shows up to fuck with him some more. Yeah. Again, he's just like, hey, I know. I just came by while your brother was dying. But I was just, just in the next class scene. <laughs> you're you're gonna go to hell. All right, I'm gonna go get Arby's. You want something? It's a five for five day. <laughs> <laughs> no bad time. Okay, bad time. Bad times. It's comforting to see preachers from the 19th century were leveraging heartbreak in families for conversions, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, yeah. that's just a common motif throughout all human history, apparently. Yeah, no, they were they were good at it even back then. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for Joey to meet the love of his, the only love of his life, <laughs> Emma Hale. Oh, this movie lies more about a sex life than my Tinder profile. It's just like, there she was. The one and only. Five inches from the grundle, if you think about it, technically. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Bryce, question about Emma Hale. Um, or just the, the women of this period in general, were they wearing British judges' wigs <laughs> made made of Lego? Like, were the Lego-haired women in 19th century Pennsylvania? Yeah, her wig was made in Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Didn't know that. Now, okay, so one thing I want to point out here is so great. We jump from 1823 to 1825, and Joseph Smith ages 30 years in that Yeah, he does. Period. He does. They go from this little 12-year-old kid to this totally different actor that looks nothing at all. Not even the same hair color as the kid. No, and right. So I, I have to say, Emma, in my opinion, she looked like Maggie Smith's face from the 1960s wearing a dress from Kira Knightley from like the 1700s. And also she had like Padme's hair from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So Emma is like a walking, talking, established universe anachronism in human form. It's <laughs> perfect. In 8-bit graphics on her head. Yeah, right, right. All right, so this is, this is where we get the falling in love montage where they literally ride around in a one-horse open sleigh. Ugh, it's just, and then he be she beats him in chess and he's like, <laughs> we're supposed to pretend he didn't kick the shit out of her for it. It's just the weirdest <laughs> other feminist interpretation of Joseph fucking yeah. Smith. Like, honestly, 
This is short only of like Muhammad having a biopic where he and Aisha are riding around and he's just like, oh, Aisha, do you want to go get a beer, which you're allowed to have at this age? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, small thing. No, fucking big thing. Did you guys see the board? Did you look at the chess board? Yes, the chess board. There's literally a white pawn sitting on H8. There are very few impossible (laughs) spots for a piece on a chessboard at any moment, but of fucking course they found one. Yep. God damn it. Just lay it out like the beginning. Do anything else. It's so amazing. This chessboard, it has pieces from Gloomhaven on it. It's amazing. There's dice. It's perfect. That is so beautiful. I'm glad that we have a diversity of expertise on this show. Yeah, right. Maybe she <laughs> traded a pawn for a pawn. She promoted a pawn yeah, to well, a pawn. Yeah, well, the next I just he's. You know what? I like the pawn. I like the pawn. I'm going to stick with it. All right. So, but of course, this is where he tells her all about his Jesus visions, and she doesn't know about it at first. But eventually, she believes him, so they get married, and they would be happy forever. And this is so crazy because she's like, she approaches Joseph too, and she's like, I've been hearing rumors. And he cuts her off and says, they're all true. Like, uh, (laughs) what did he know what she was going to raise? Like, what about um, he was like just a couple years after this, he was in court for possibly having adulterous relationships with two of his friend's daughters. Is Uh, that one of the rumors? Is that what, what rumor is she talking about? Right. The rumors are supposed to be like that he's a prophet. And I wanted her to just be like, when he says, oh, they're true. I wanted her to be like, cool, cool. Well, I'm going to go regret going into the woods with you alone now. So, <laughs> yeah, <right>. um, <laughs> Mountain lion, gotta go. So, And now, okay. And now they have to dance around the profound laziness of Joseph Smith again. So we go back, he goes back, he gets the golden plates and it's then like, it's like for four years, he avoided work and had other people pay his bills by pretending he was really getting those plates done now. (laughs) (laughs) We even get a scene here with the father-in-law being like, hey, your husband's a giant piece of shit. And if he doesn't finish that (laughs) fake book of his in a sec, like I can only imagine how that conversation went in real life. In real life. Joseph, uh, may I have a word? Yes, father-in-law. So, it's about the holy word of God? Yes, sir. Okay, so it's been it's been four years, and you've been checking, you're going out into the woods and reading the book and having revelations and then coming back to tell us. Yes, yes, and, and someday the Lord will allow me to set it all down as a record. What a glorious day and a marvelous work and a wonder that will be. Yeah, glorious, marvelous. Yeah, right, right. So the other day you came back and the entire like word of God you had was about how you needed an extra pillow. Yes, the the Lord works in mysterious ways. Mysterious ways, right. And then the week before that, you, you read several chapters on Steve the Evil who wouldn't let you have the largest piece of mutton. A parable for all times, if you think about it. The Lord's anointed should be cared for. Right. Yeah, it's just that it's just gotten a little specific, you know, and we think it would be best if you instead of... Oh, what's that? I'm allowed to write it down and complete my holy mission from the Lord? Sorry, I was talking to God. What did you say? (sighs) Nothing. 
See you at dinner. Are we having mutton? No. Yes, we're having mutton. Awesome. <laughs> this is pretty much how it actually went. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Like <laughs> yep. Joe was totally that boyfriend. And Isaac, like Isaac Hale even kicked them out of the house and then gave them their oldest son's house that was on the same property. Yeah, they didn't mention that, right? They they no. they point out in the story like he kicked him out of the house into a different house. It was still he's the bad guy. He's the bad. You got to move out of my basement into that basement. No, <laughs> God, I'm gonna go on Alex Jones to prove how normal I am. God. <laughs> uh, okay, Bryce, quick question for you again. Okay, so he he comes back once every four years, and it says he receives further knowledge each time. When he, before he finally gets to like translate the, what, what further knowledge God was just like, ah, he's back. Ah, measure twice, cut <laughs> once. Like what was he telling him each time? Why does never it? put off till tomorrow what you can do to die? <laughs> <laughs> what would that mean? Under promise, oversell. Um, now, I, <laughs> It's uh, we could spend two hours on this. Um, he just went back. There's not a whole lot of information about it, but like he just went back with his treasure seeking buddies. Um, there's he went back and like performed magical spells at one yes. point. He like got so a, a lamb from Peter Ingersoll, one of the neighbors, and like <laughs> did a blood sacrifice of the yes. lamb. And even even that neighbor was like, I assume that they had a really good meal that night. <laughs> <laughs> they all played Ouija board, dude. You're moving it. <laughs> well, but see, that's you're the thing eating is, it. He kept going back <laughs> for four years. He kept going back, and he's like, "No, no, no! This time, God's going to give me the golden plates." But yep. he didn't have any golden plates, so he had to come back with like a, you know, what I did? God said not to set them on the ground, and then I set them on the ground, and now I'm not allowed to have them for another fucking year, guys. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, what are the odds fingers. that that would happen? Four and of times course, they left row. out the whole story of like the toad spirit guardian striking yes, him yeah, and knocking right. him away from the stone box. And <laughs> like, I wonder the, why they didn't put that in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we need to make our own Mormon. And, oh, yes. for fuck's sake, Kickstarter. We actually really do oh, need yes. to do a historically accurate like mini series on the Game yeah. of Stones. Yes, Game of Stones. <laughs> Call me, HBO. Call me. Yep. I'm um, a, I'll be on the writing staff. I have some ideas. Well, Let's you've got a whole novel going. already written here. So, yeah. Also, <laughs> also they, they had a kid. Uh, Joseph and Emma had a kid. They named it Alvin. It lived for only a few hours. Then why tell us about this? Well, I mean, we're making a movie here, and nothing is great for a movie like a good miscarriage funeral scene. <laughs> no, nobody I, ever does that we named his child after his dead brother and like his older brother he was great at being dead all right <laughs> moving on. we only got 60 minutes of footage people let's make this fucking Alan happen lived a rich long hour you gonna you guys want to introduce oliver cowdery the guy who literally is just a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> well and also i have to point out it shows Joseph digging the hole, and it's nice to see that, like, his whole life's work of treasure digging prepared him for that moment. Yeah, nice. no, he dug, he dug the fuck out of that hole. This is how Goliath <laughs> Casket Company got started. They were originally <laughs> tiny little baby casket company, then all that aspartame stuff happened. <laughs> they expanded. 
All right, so now it's time to meet Oliver Cowdery. Now, Oliver Cowdery, he's a huge character in the actual history of Mormonism, but we will see him just now, and that's it. Yep. Um, and the narrator's like, eventually, Joey suckered other people in, like the very wise and intelligent Oliver Cowdery, whose money he totally didn't rip off entirely. Right. And in the little version where he's dictating the book, to Oliver Cowdery, they're sitting in a well-lit room. The giant brick of gold plates are just sitting there yeah, on the table. Yeah, just sitting right in front of him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Neighbors right. are coming by like, yep, those are gold plates. I, too, am a witness. This is not like a, <laughs> maybe they were in a hat. Maybe they were on the table. But either way, it was dark, which is what the truth is. How? How? Did, how but how is he doing this translation? Did Did he take a class in like reform egyptian at some point like how no because god gave him the magical seer stone rock that translates (laughs) the plate duh now guys first of all the plates weren't even there they were buried elsewhere so that people couldn't steal them but he had the magic hat rock that would tell him what the next plate said okay but from behind a curtain and isaac hale wouldn't allow them in the house (laughs) that's why they were buried in another room or buried out in the woods right because it was so dangerous yes The thing is, the story is always more bullshit than you think it is. That's why yeah. I recommend Naked Mormonism, um, because at, no matter how much you think you know about the bullshit of Mormonism, there's way more bullshit there. It's fractal bullshit. <laughs> it <Yeah>. really is. <laughs> it really is. The plates were particles and waves. You can't look at them. <laughs> Fucks it up. And they totally like skipped over the Martin Harris part of the story, too. Like, that's that's proves that Joseph was just dreaming all this shit up. Like you, all you need to know is the South Park version of the Martin Harris story to realize he was making it up and they just don't even deal with it. They don't even talk about Joseph, like, you know, Martin Harris mortgaging his farm to pay for the Book of Mormon. No, it's just like, boom, here's Oliver Cowdery. Oh yeah. And he was like the, the co-con man with Joseph Smith. It's right. So and then there are books, right? It is literally just like, (laughs) yeah, him and Oliver Cowdery. And then this poor farm boy just, had books. I don't know. Yeah, there just books published there. some books. With, well, also, we have to point out that this is because it's very important that this is where Joseph Smith gets baptized by John the Baptist's fucking self. That's <gasps> right. Him and Ollie went into the woods not to do gay stuff, but to learn how to get baptized. That's why they came back soaking wet, because of the baptism. <laughs> it was all the baptizing. Don't don't touch it. The water was sticky today. It was a sticky. <laughs> the river's real because there is a molasses. Don't worry about it. Just get, <laughs> go off. Get off me. You're the love of my life. And we, we're we in so love. We love it. It's great. Our, Our marriage is great. baptize Joe. Right. <laughs> and it made this movie so much better. Way I would watch that movie a thousand times. And this is where, so he's got the books, and this is where we're introduced to my favorite religious apologetic. And it's not just the Mormons, but the Mormons really love to rely on it, which is the, is the Book of Mormon true? Yeah, well, if you read it and you make it all the way through, then you'll know it's true. And I got to be honest, if I hadn't read this for work, I'd be a Mormon just out of sheer boredom and upset. I'd be like, yeah, no, I read Alma and I'm a Mormon now. That's the only reason I would have read that. So, yep, Mormon. Well, it's not just read the whole book. It's read the whole book and then ask God if he thinks it's true, which is amazing because like the narrator even says, like, I've been asked many times if it's true. And rather than say, check the archaeological, historical, linguistic, technological or genetic record, I say, ask God, but really want him to say yes when you do. That's how you know things are true. Right. Moroni's promise. (laughs) 
Uh, we also get a nice little whitewash of history, too, because someone comes up and goes, uh, so, Joe, is this a new Bible? Because all my miniatures are for the Bible. I don't want to have to buy a whole new set. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's an expansion. It's an expansion. It's a legacy holy book. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll just put stickers. Uh, but finally, all the Christians were Christianing, right? Well, not all of them, but but some of them were. We get this little scene where Joseph Smith's like, okay, who wants to be a Mormon? And it's unanimous. Everybody raises their hands. Yeah, uh, who was the guy that was going to raise his hand against being a church? I like it when we just follow Joe around and print books. All right, well, you know what, <laughs> Alan? It's 942 to 1, so we're, we're becoming a church. I'm done. I'm out then. Okay. <laughs> And we, we have to establish here that Father Mutton Chops does not like Joey's new church at all. Yeah, I oh, wrote in my notes. Yeah. I see you wrote a book. I am very disapproving and sniffy, as you can see. But <laughs> my daughter, not so much. She uh, She's going to join your religion. <laughs> and the last three years have not been kind to Mutton Chops Preacher. Yeah. He is haggard. His beard he's is 80 pure now. salt now. He like, oh, he's, he's in bad shape. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now he goes to uh, Alvin's grave to to brag about his new book, how, how awesome his new book was. Um, and that's when the chick comes up and she just begs to be a Mormon. This is a groupie. <laughs> yes, like, yeah. She's like, oh my God, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you at this, <laughs> this cemetery. This is weird. But like, are you the... Joe Smith, will you will you sign my clit? This is, oh, I can't believe I'm meeting you. Take a selfie. Oh my God, this is such a harbinger for the entire Joseph Smith's timeline, right? It's like right. You know, Joseph has the Book of Mormon in his hand. This young, beautiful woman walks up and says, can I ask you about that book? One thing leads to another. He sends her husband on a mission and then he fucks her. It's it's a tale as old as time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. And then we get a Mormons doing nice things, which is how their religion spread montage. Oh, Okay. So oh, yeah. first of all, <laughs> as this scene opens, it's blocked so ridiculously that you think it's about to jump into a musical number, right? Like everybody's hammering in time and everything. And then this Mormon comes up or this lady comes up and she's like, boy, I don't really believe in your religion, but you Mormons sure are helpful and do nice things for people all of the time. <laughs> and Joseph Smith says, well, you may say, ma'am, that that's actually our religion. Plus right. that I'm God and get to fuck you. If what? you're white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And being black is a punishment. Anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. other than that, though, it's just doing good stuff. Uh, and th again, if you'll remember my best worst, he then converts a man through pull the stick. <laughs> big, there's a big guy who's like, "Where well, no one's ever beat me at pull the stick before," and Joe's like, "God works in mysterious ways." Oh my! You feel God. my hand on your balls? That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> It's the best. It, so you know when dogs fight each other over the same stick? They're like, because it's not what you're picturing. It's not like tug of war formation. No. It's like you're both, you're grabbing the same, like it's, it's parallel. It's so stupid the way they do it. And they sit down and they go. So, okay, Bryce, if I go back to Salt Lake City and I start beating people at this game, will they become atheists? Oh, totally. Because <laughs> that's all I'm going to do now. <laughs> then they'll give you a, ha a special handshake and be like, what the fuck is this, man? Yeah, already yeah, know totally. it. Step ahead of you. It's like a fucking <laughs> have a heat heath on a stick pulling training montage now. <laughs> stick tied to a chicken. He's going to, anyway. And that by the way, weird. By the way, it's it, got it, a weird like sensual wrist scratch on the finger. I don't know what <laughs> you guys. You guys picked a weird handshake. And 
people who are tall happen to do really well at the stick pulling game. So Heath, I think you are the atheist proselyte stick pulling person. (laughs) (laughs) That's reason con this year. Pull the stick with Heath. And you can do that as a metaphor, or you can actually pull the stick with Ian. In fact, you can offer the metaphor, and you'll probably okay, so end no, up playing pull the stick. You'll, you'll know it's metaphorical. It's it's metaphorical if instead of sitting facing each other, you're facing away from each other. It's gonna be it'll be real obvious going in. All right, so I like to face. You guys are weird about not <laughs> wanting to get come on you. And, <laughs> call like back. everybody's being judgy about. And okay, so now we want to cut. I had a nickel. All right, and so now we cut to Kirtland, Ohio, eighteen thirty-one, and Mormonism was just spreading like chlamydia, y'all. Right, and we get more totally things that didn't happen. It's like I'm an old lady, and I'm not a fan of these Mormons. And then he turns and it's his mom. Uh, that's like such a good oh he's right over my shoulder isn't he Moroni's right behind me isn't he yeah, right, right. <laughs> he's white and delights him right behind me isn't he <laughs> um, and of course this is where this is the first time that all we see all the neighbors kind of going wild wild country on him you know nobody liked the Mormons and of course this movie would present you with the idea that like you know they just come in and start helping old ladies with their roofs and we don't like that you know they, yep. they never, like, explain why the people didn't like the Mormons. Absolutely. You you would believe, watching this movie, that wherever Joseph Smith went, people would just, like, wake up with a torch in their hand and a musket and be like, I guess I gotta go kill that super nice guy who helped me knit that sweater. Yeah, no, they pick <laughs> on him like fucking David Banner in the Hulk TV show, right? Yeah, Mormons are the black people of the 1800s. That is the lesson of this movie. They want you to know that they are the black people of the 1800s. So. They had it tough. I, and this, this, it's time for the tarring and feathering crucifixion. <laughs> no, before that, before that, okay. I have to point out where the, Joe is talking to this lady that's like, soon the Mormons will be taking over the whole county. And like, oh, fuck, if only she knew, right? Yeah. And she asks Joseph, what makes you think that God even cares? And this, like, this is a question that happens in a lot of Christian movies, right? It's like, you don't have to deal with this. You could just not deal with the problem of evil, right? And then Joseph just says, he does care. He does care. <laughs> he does. Just hand on the shoulder. Decide, just trust certain, me. and then you know. Because <laughs> you've decided. Of course, then we have to cut to the all the bad guys conspiring against Joey. The actual line to open this scene is, this time tomorrow, Joseph Smith will be long gone. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the tarring and feathering crucifixion scene. Okay. Right, because- Oh my God, I love this. Aside from getting shot, they can't really make it seem like Joseph- didn't deserve everything he got <laughs> except for this tarring and feathering. Oh, so he they deserves ab- to get shot. So he just, yeah, he oh, deserves to get shot. So they absolutely <laughs> do their best to make this tarring and feathering seem like a crucifixion. They got the Passion of the Christ music in the background. The, ah, yeah, ah, yeah, ah. <laughs> and, and look, the thing is, it's impossible in the modern day not to think of tarring and feathering as like a cartoon punishment, right? Yeah. 
I Google, I was like, <laughs> did tarring and feathering hurt? Because I was like, maybe I'm the asshole who like is talking about something really terrible. And so I got sucked down a YouTube rabbit hole. And by the way, no, this tarring and feathering didn't hurt. The only kind of tarring and feathering that really hurt people was the kind that Mormons invented to do to African-Americans. <laughs> when you, bo you boil the tar. Yeah, yes. right, right. But I never understood this. Like, if it's not boiling tar, you just like, they're just picking like a wet thing and a dry thing. Like, how come it's like, why not honey and fucking peanut shells? Or like, <laughs> also, why the feathers? Like, it seems like the, boi the boiling tar pretty much carries the team. <laughs> if you're doing that, what, what the fuck does the feathers do at that point? Yeah, it's because it makes him look silly and it fucks up his bedding. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Heath's the tar and I'm the feathers of this podcast. But yeah. the feathers are there, damn it. The feathers are there. Yeah, but the so feathers are funny though. What we're funny. <laughs> funny fucking feathers. They what are we're... funny. That's the thing. If you just cover a guy in tar, it's weird. You throw in some feathers, it's festive. <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. Okay. And we can we please talk about possibly the real reason behind this? Which was? Joseph was living on the Johnson farm, really wealthy, early Mormon. He consecrated all of his property to the church. Johnson's, there was a nice young Marinda Nancy Johnson Hyde, who would later marry Orson Hyde. She was 16 years old at this time. Oh, shit. She, Joseph and Emma were living in the Johnson home in one of their like little off bedroom rooms there. They just had their, you know, they just adopted two kids after Emma had lost her twins. They adopted two other twins. And Joseph, for some reason, during this scene, one of or possibly two of Nancy's brothers, two of the Johnson boys, were part of this mob when they dragged Joseph out of the house and apparently ripped his clothes off. Maybe they were already off. They tarred and feathered him. They tried to pour a vial of poison down his throat. Then they wanted to cut his fucking balls off. You don't what? do that because of religious persecution. You do that because somebody's fucking your little sister. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> they, this is no, no. You have to understand the historical context of why Joseph was being tarred and feathered. It wasn't because he was the one true prophet of the one true religion. And this is just some bullshit amorphous persecution complex. No, he was fucking somebody who would later become one of his polygamous wives. Yeah, she becomes his wife. That's the kicker to the story. Yeah. Is it's not just like she happened to have brothers who disagree. <laughs> he then marries that child later. So that's fucking amazing. An honorable way to be a pedophile. Uh, yeah, well, a pedophile polygamist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And also to be clear, like Sidney Rigdon was in this as well. Sidney Rigdon got beat within an inch of his life. He spent weeks recouping on a bed because he got so horrifically beat. They didn't beat Joseph like they did Rigdon in this situation. But when Joseph went to visit Sidney Rigdon on his, you know, on his almost deathbed, Rigdon asked his wife for a razor so that he could kill Joseph Smith. <laughs> and then because Rigdon was in a fever contusion brain state, he also asked Joseph, or he also asked Joseph for a razor so that he could kill his own wife. This is Ugh. this is just a crazy scenario, a horrible situation. Jesus. But Sidney Rigdon doesn't even get any airtime here. What we're saying is this could have been an awesome movie. Uh, <laughs> yes. Game of Stones, Patreon goal. But we're gonna the, make this happen. But the way this one works, 
Um, they, they, you know, he gets tarred and feathered, but damn it, if he's not willing to preach, even through all those big tar and feather sores he has about his face and body. And he's fine. He's like, she, yes, his wife cleans him up like this happens like a few times a day. <laughs> like she's changing his diaper. She's like, all right, I'll get the turpentine and the gold bond. You get the feather bucket where we save <laughs> the feathers. Feathers. No reason to waste them. Right. And he gives this. So passive aggressive little speech here. He's like, uh, okay, um, dear Jesus, forgive those assholes who covered me in <laughs> fucking tar, ruined my nice shirt. She got it for my birthday, just so you know. It was my dad's shirt. It was my dad's. You're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> Atomic wedgie. Unbelievable. It's ridiculous. <laughs> There were nice boxers. God damn and it. That's really what this is. This is the 19th century atomic wedgie is what he got. Um, but in this scene, of course, even tar and feather cowboy, the guy who pulled him out, even he's being won over now because because all of Joey's gumption, darn it. Oh, I just wanted to run up on stage and be like, nerd, give me your lunch. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So. All right. But so Kirtland, Ohio grew really fast. Um, yeah, you got to have somewhere for all of Joey's wives to live. And this is when God commands Joey to build a super church. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I talked to God. We're going to build a temple. I mean, a big fuck off temple. <laughs> <laughs> I love how this scene opens up because we have like so many Mormons are moving into town. They can't even build houses fast enough for all of them. And like I've been inside the Joseph Smith home at, in Kirtland and it's a swanky ass house. Right. Uh, but the, the way that this scene opens up is. Emma and Joseph are looking in on like some of the new converts that moved into town. And we have Rachel, Susan and Abigail and they're just looking at them. And it's like, what wonderful, beautiful little girls. And I just had this thought, like, I bet Joseph's thinking hard to believe they're already 15, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to fuck those Duggars as soon as I get a fucking chance. <laughs> right. But again, this is sort of like, this is supposed to be a cutesy, like, oh, we just can't stop helping people moment instead of a, our cult's really getting there, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Right. Right. Stone edifice to me. That's nice. Well, yeah. And the narrator is like, yeah. And soon people were just donating their labor to build this temple for no reason other than the fact that Joey said they'd go to hell if they didn't. Yeah, and by the way, Noah mentioned earlier the Wild Wild Country reference. My game throughout this movie was spot the difference between this and Wild Wild Country that isn't brown skin. You yeah. can't. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, and okay, I have to, we're, we're about to introduce Brigham Young, but before, the way we open this scene is so fucking amazing because we don't know who it is yet, and it's just the opening line, they're in this wood shop or whatever, and the opening line is, First time I read this book, I knew no man could have written it. Clearly, yeah, right, because like, uh, it's clear that a computer program fucked up or something. Any person this bad at writing would have stopped 20 pages in, wouldn't they? Well, you guys read it last year. Well, is that the same impression that you got? <laughs> Honestly, there were a lot of moments where I was like, no human could have written this book. I had a different take on it, but uh, I, they I all thought, know better. I thought those words, I did. So, yeah, so everybody's just working wood, talking about how perfect Joseph Smith is. And then Brigham Young shows up and he's like, I will also be important to the history of this religion. So I'll be in this scene. 
I'll be the second in command. I am entirely torso. I am just a torso. <laughs> I'm the original steroid user. He lo- he looks so ridiculous. Like like a rejected Street Fighter character. Like, <laughs> like an old-timey dirt road fighter character. That is know. the stereotype we missed in Street Fighter was the Mormon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, exactly. He's throwing holy juice. He's got copies of the Book of Mormon. Tears <laughs> off a shirt to reveal a white button-down Short sleeve shirt underneath. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. And then when you fight him, you have to go to the sun because that's where the people live in his mind. <laughs> um, and I also love there's this scene here where, where Joseph Smith's like, all right, Brigham Young, you're second in command. If if I ever die, everyone will follow you and there will be no arguments at all about it. We'll all disagree. Uh, right. You get oh. to take over. And also, I have to add, I love they they had a cameo here. Of, he said, "Brother Parley," when Brigham Young was talking to this guy. So that's Parley Parker Pratt, and that's the guy whose death catalyzed the Mountain Meadows massacre. So there are oh really a ton of knives in the first scene, the first act here that will not be picked up ever in this movie. <laughs> but it's nice to see that little cameo make an appearance. Yeah. yeah. And to be clear, yeah, Parley P. Pratt, he was killed after he stole a guy's wife and took her to Arkansas. Well, you know, that's how that that that's what I would have guessed because it's the Mormon story. <laughs> All right. So eventually they finished the Kirtland Temple and it was just it was so magical that God showed up and gave Joey a winky face oh, while, he, while he was there. Oh, can we can we talk just a little bit about the Kirtland Temple for just a second? Please. This is my favorite thing in all of Mormon history is the Kirtland Temple because it's such a perfect microcosm of so many things that were wrong and right with Mormonism. So they used the Kirtland Temple for barely a year before Joe and Brigham and a bunch of other Mormons were chased out of town. They went $50,000 into debt to build this Wait, temple. I, I'm sorry, is that, is that 50000 in like 1836 money? Yeah, so that's like over a million dollars. A gazillion dollars, yeah. And they weren't incorporated either. That was all in Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon's personal name. Too. Oh, Jesus Christ. And to, to make that even worse, like the reason they were chased out was because a guy was suing them. One of their creditors was suing Joseph and Sidney Rigdon and got a judgment that they owed him like two grand. So they the he won the three-story building behind the temple at auction in order to pay off this debt. Then Joseph and Cindy Rigdon and Brigham Young and a bunch of other Mormons left. They fled in the middle of the night. We'll get to it in a minute from the Kirtland Temple. They fled from Kirtland and headed out to Missouri. And when this guy took possession of this three-story building, a guy named, I believe it was Lyman Sherman, burned that three-story building to the ground. So it's like, here you go. Here's to pay our debt. Oh, and wow. fuck you, we're out of town. Oh, what a fuck. And that guy, Grandison Newell, who got that judgment, he raised a lawsuit against Joseph Smith because he claimed that Joseph Smith commanded some people to lay in wait in the middle of the night to assassinate that guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And also, the Kirtland Temple is so great because the dedication ceremony, this is like the mother load of Joseph when he was probably drugging people with the sacramental wine. And the dedication ceremony is fucking amazing. 
It's like people are like hallucinating God walking through the congregation. People thought the building was on fire. There were people that were like swinging around like midair that they thought that they were wielding a dragoon, like fighting off the Lamanites or scalping them. Like, oh my God. This This sounds amazing. Like best party ever. Yeah, right. I have been at a lot of parties that were pretty much (laughs) just like that, only without Mormons. So, okay. So then Joey runs into, we get this scene where he runs in to tell his mom, he's like, hey, I had my latest, greatest vision. Alvin gets to go to heaven after all. Plus, God totally loves my church. Yeah. yeah. And, and then just, just to be super clear about that, God shows up to the temple and then sends literally everyone from the Bible I- in order. All the good guys, all the good guys from the Bible. Yeah, he's like, and then Jesus came, and then Moses, and then we had Ezekiel and Elijah and Elisha, and yeah, pretty much all of them, all of them, everybody who's anybody. I want to see them planning that up in heaven. (laughs) Hey, uh, God. Yes. Wait, I, I thought you sounded like Donald Trump. No, no, that's on the other show. Okay. Uh, seems like that should be consistent. Anyway, uh, I, I noticed our profit roster for, for Joseph Smith this year. And it's, uh, well, I mean, it's everybody. You have everybody showing yeah. up for the thing. Everybody. Yeah, I yeah. want to make sure that people really know he's my new religion guy. Right. Right. Uh, it's just, you went and saw him with Jesus. And then all the apostles... After that, and now Moses and Elijah. Yeah. Um, doesn't this all seem like uh, overkill? It's, it's too many, I feel like. How so? Like like when a person gets a message from you, okay, that's fine. But but if you send a half a dozen prophets just to Joe Smith and his buddies, it seems like, well, I mean, it seems like obvious fraud, what? right? No, no. It's because I care so much. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm going to get down there right now, and I'll tell Joseph Smith to start killing people and stealing people's wives and start an obvious revolution just in case. Uh, it's not going to help, not. It's going to help. It's going to be worse. Not going to help. True. It's not going to help. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but meanwhile, despite all of God's prophets coming by and personally giving their seal of approval to this church, the bad guys still hated Mormonism so much. So we get them getting ready to, and, and this this is a great scene because it's the, the part where they're going like, uh, all right, we need to get rid of them Mormons. And if we have to kill some to do it, we will because we enjoy killing Mormons. God damn it. I hate this scene. I uh, mm, this is so okay. No Mormons ever died in Kirtland. That's just it. Other than from natural causes and sickness, no, no Mormons suffered very little persecution in Kirtland. Missouri is a different story. We can eventually get there, but Kirtland was a safe haven for Mormons. It was actually Mormons who chased Joseph Smith, Sidney Rigdon, and Brigham Young out of town. Because they excommunicated him, Warren Parrish came in wielding a gun with a bunch of his his followers proclaiming to be the next prophet because Joe was in apostasy. He came into the temple and basically manufactured a coup. And very soon after that, that's when Joseph Smith was excommunicated and he fled out to Missouri in the middle of the night and held a purge of the Mormon church in Missouri. 
That's when he excommunicated Oliver Cowdery and the Whitmers and, and a number of other like high-ranking guys that were OG Mormons because so many people were pissed off about him stealing all their money with the Kirtland Safety Society, being so far in debt, uh, the whole Grandison-Newell affair and the three-story building and uh, everything and Fanny Alger. Fanny Alger was a huge issue here because he was fucking Fanny Alger and people wanted to know whether or not that was going on. Like, there's so much context that's not contributed or not discussed whatsoever in this movie because, hey, we can't let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? Or a bad story, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, no, because this one would have you believe that just all the townsfolks got together and said, hey, wait a minute, I don't like how much starch you have in your shirt. Get off that bicycle and ran them off. So No, those were Mormons applauding an assassination of their prophet. <laughs> That's so awesome. All right, so but then we have to get the scene where he convinces his wife to chicken out and run away. And then they have to make it clear, like, Joey's like, oh, no, I totally have the balls to stay. I'm just worried about the ladies and the kids and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and he's like, don't worry. We can build a giant monument to me somewhere else. <laughs> and there's this amazing moment where she goes like, will, will things be better in Missouri? And he's like, <laughs> always no never in history was the answer to that question yes yeah well, things, <laughs> yeah I, it's by the way odd god wouldn't have warned them they were gonna have to get their asses out uh, like uh immediately after they built that big ass church i feel like god would have would have told them about that told them that was coming yeah behold i have accepted this house for a minute yeah right now get the fuck out <laughs> All right. Well, I'm rooting for the anti-Mormons, so we're going to pause on a happy moment here. Uh, but first, let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Will Joseph Smith raise an army with hopes of overthrowing the U.S. government? Will he destroy the press of a newspaper that's unkind to him? Will he fuck basically every woman his dick fits into? Yes. Find out why this movie will never bother to mention any of that when we return for the holistically contrived conclusion of Joseph Smith, Prophet of the Restoration. Bryce! Bryce, thanks for coming in. Hey, Brother Dave, Brother Patrick. Look, we know you haven't been super happy with the church lately, uh, but we were hoping we could get yeah, some did, help. Did you guys get my letter leaving the church? Oh, uh, you know what? I think uh, I think that got lost in the mail. All lost in the mail, really? I, I sent it like 40 times. Yeah, All the well, mail is... Uh, Bad. Yeah, Mail's yeah. Hard bad. to get mail here. The uh, don't get a lot of s signal. Anyway, um, we're we're working on this biopic of Joseph Smith, and we were hoping you could help. You want me to help you write a biopic of Joseph Smith? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we know you love your history. So. I do. So, right. do you want me to start with the obvious lies, his previous arrests for fraud at the polygamy, like? Where, where where do we want to start? Where are we dropping the pin? Hmm. Um, those are uh, those are good ideas. Good ideas. Right. Uh, pin in hmm. those. Uh, we we were thinking mostly like, you know, the parts where he converts people through tug of war. Yeah. Tug of war. Yeah. Yeah. And his can do spirit. All the gumption. Yep. It, yeah. I I don't think I can help with that movie. Okay. okay what if we offered you two cans? of French onion soup to bathe in. Damn it. How does he, like, get to everybody? He bought a lot of avocado toast while he was there. Like, a lot. Yep. <laughs> Our chief export. Brought back a truck. <laughs>
And we're back for more of this shit. When we last left our Mormons, they were chickening out and running away from Illinois with their eyes set on the primordial paradise that is Missouri. And we're going to pick the action back up in Hans Mill, Missouri. This would be in 1838. God damn it. I hate this scene so much. <laughs> I, All right. But now this is a legitimate like they came through and massacred the fuck out of some Mormons, though, right? Yeah, totally. But we don't talk about what led to that. Of course not. Right. So <laughs> I, the thing is, it, the way that it introduces this scene is, is it seemed wherever we tried to settle conflict followed. That's like. You ever heard those people? Oh, God, I hate drama. Every relationship I get in, yes. there's always drama. Maybe the problem <laughs> isn't the other person, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh -huh. If all your exes are crazy, Mormonism. If all your exes are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wrote my notes here. I'm like, gee, I wonder why just being nice would be so offensive to so many people in such geographically disparate areas. Again, the the claim that they're making, and, and Bryce, I'm interested in what the truth is, but the claim that they're making at this point in the movie is, for no reason at all, 2,500 militiamen just came to kill them. <laughs> so uh, Mormons are happy to trot out the Hans Mill Massacre as that is the like the peak of the Mormon persecution complex. That's the evidence that they can use because, like, persecution works like fertilizer. If there's too much, it snuffs it out. If there's not enough, then you don't have any real things to base the persecution narrative off of. The Hans Mill is something that they've gotten a lot of traction from, right? So we talk about the Hans Mill Massacre. 18 men were killed in the Hans Mill Massacre. Okay, let's talk about the context of this because all of that is left out of the movie. So the movie doesn't talk about the 150 Mormon Danites who surrounded a judge's house in order to intimidate him into signing a public order under duress. They don't talk about the Danites raiding and burning towns to the ground. They don't mm -hmm. talk about the Battle of Crooked River when the Mormon militia attacked a Missouri state militia. They Jesus. don't talk about Joe preaching from the pulpit that he would be a Muhammad unto this generation. All of those are facts that apparently just what? don't matter, right? When we just look at the Hans Mill Massacre. But, like, you have to understand the 1838 Mormon War in Missouri in its historical context is so complicated. And the Hans Mill Massacre, for, for lack of better phrasing, was very justified when what happened, okay? Were there a lot of, like, five to eight-year-olds just running around <laughs> stabbing Mormons? Was there a lot of that? But maybe not that the, the kids like, yeah, we don't, can't justify killing the kids. Right. But that, that definitely happened. That's not Speak cool. But like, yourself. okay. So <laughs> God, dark turn. I can think of six good reasons to kill a kid right now. One, you want to <laughs> give a mom her life back. How about that? Thinking about moms. <laughs> Two, Dude, the plane is not landing for three and a half hours. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> okay, so the extermination order that they talk about with Governor Boggs, the word extermination that Governor used was taken from Sidney Rigdon's July 4th oration that happened, you know, a few months before the Hans Mill Massacre. Let me give you guys a brief quote to maybe put some historical context on this. This is what Sidney Rigdon from the, said from the pulpit that the Mormons would, quote, make it between us, meaning the Mormons, and them, the Missourians, a war of extermination, for we will follow them till the last drop of their blood is spilled, or else they will have to exterminate us. For we will carry the seat of war to their own houses and their own families, and one party or the other shall be utterly destroyed. Remember it then, all men. End quote. So, Bryce, I guess what you're saying is the, the Hansvillians? 
should have stayed away from the fence, right? Because there's pretty clear rules <laughs> about how close you can get to the fence if they got so close. That, and I, I feel like that's what I'm reading from you, right? <laughs> yeah. The yeah, sign absolutely. is very clear. You don't go by the fence. Yes. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> So Joey and his boys go to, to to talk it out with the militia. They figure they can just, you know, they can just use their words. But no, it's a trap. Joey and Hiram have been betrayed and, and handed <laughs> over to the Missouri militia. Uh, the, and the, 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 the head of the militia guy's the best. He's just like, oh, wow, you're, you're fucking stupid. Do you? You feel like you're winning or losing right now? You're all under arrest. Is it? <laughs> it's not clear. Because it seems like you still haven't realized what's happening. We've tricked you. You're trapped now. And all that right. didn't even happen. Joseph willfully surrendered. He, oh, did he really? Yes. So it, the way that it's couched is this George W. Robinson was seen as the betrayer. But at the end of it all, Joseph was, he was willing to take General Lucas on his order. And he didn't have any allies in that militia. So like they spent the night after the surrender being like having shit thrown at him by the militia and like surrounded by a ring of soldiers because there were enough militiamen there that wanted to kill them just as vigilante justice. But there was like General Lucas did put a ring of soldiers around them and say, if they die, then it's on your hands. So you better not let these guys die. Well, so, wait a minute, wait yeah. a minute. Cause I saw a documentary one time where it was very clear that Colonel Widebrim did want to kill him, but <laughs> but General Jowles uh, didn't like the plan uh, to execute the, the Smith boys at all and, and, and made a fuss about it. I've, huh. I've seen that on the TV. So. And, and now I think it's time for what I think we can all agree is the greatest moment of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. So they arrest him. They throw and they're the the bad guys are all standing around like demanding that Joey give him a revelation like a gunslinger trying to make him dance. <laughs> right. I wrote in my notes here. It's like it's amazing how Joey's life mirrors Jesus is if you take out all the history and add in a bunch of ripped off Jesus allegories. huh? <laughs> And John Galtz, honestly. It's like right. a lot like fucking Atlas Shrugged. They go to the Invisible <laughs> Valley in the Rockies, powered by white and and gold. Yeah. Yeah. And and the bad guys are just sitting around talking about how much they love to kill and rape and murder. Like I feel like this is a hard group to join. I don't think I would do well among them. <laughs> hey, hey, Hiram, have you ever killed a Mormon? I, I don't know. Uh, how many have I killed if I killed two kids? Is that two or is this, does that just count as one? One of them tried to run into the blacksmith shop and I shot him in the back. In the <laughs> back! You <laughs> caught me a Mormon and I f right into his then I grabbed his dipper and until he fucked, and then I went right over the bloody. Ah, what? Too too far? Yeah, uh, way wow, way too far, man. Oh, I thought I thought we were bad guys doing doing bad guy stuff. Come on, that's the no thing. man, no, not that kind of stuff. You, I, I need to distance myself from you i'm gonna go yeah oh oh guys guys oh, oh don't go was it was it because of the jingling in the oh 
But then, okay. And by the way, this is also the best, worst, sinister laughing I was talking about at the beginning. But then Joey gets pissed. Oh. And he... <laughs> he best, re- worst scolding. He this rebukes so He turns into a middle school principal. It's the best. <laughs> All right. There's, there's no way we could do this justice but to play the clip. So here is Joey rebuking the evil prison guards. Those <laughs> <laughs> Mormon women. <laughs> Now they put up a real fire. Yeah, I remember two or three of them were hiding out. Silence! Silence! Silence, ye fiends of the infernal pit! In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you and command you to be still. I will not live another minute and hear such language. Cease such talk, or you or I die this instant. Okay, I want to just point out that you or I die seems like a weird fucking threat, right? Uh, One of us is going to die right here, point, shoots himself in the face. Oh, good. It wasn't. I was afraid it was going to be me. And by the way, their reaction to that rebuking is, we're sorry. Yes, it is. They all just look down and look. Oh, he's very disappointed in us right now. He started it. You started it. I don't care who's starting. I will turn this car around right now. Don't. Don't. Go to my room. Wait, I'm in jail. I I feel like I keep doing this backwards today. I I feel like I really wanted to see a scene where he tries to push it. He's like, now let me out of jail. And they're like, no, no. I mean, we're sorry about the swearing, but you... Cool, right. I'm the one in jail. Cool, cool. Okay. But but no swear. Watch the language. All right. So now we cut to jail. Uh, It's November 1838. No, this isn't the one he gets shot in. We're not there yet. Um, And the narrator, by the way, is like, and even though Joseph Smith had violated no laws, he was... Wait a minute. Hold on. What? Back up. <laughs> he was convicted for fraud, wasn't he? Way before this? No laws? Are you sure? Anyway, so then we get the conjugal visit scene where Emma comes to see Joey in, in Liberty Jail. This is also where Hiram gets to meet his new baby. Yeah. And literally, he's trying to see the baby comes up. He's like in a basement jelly thing. He tries to come up to see the baby. And the prison guard is like, one at a time. Yeah, I wanted to just <laughs> throw the baby down there. Here you go. If you want to. Yeah. But then be a minute. He's fucking like 40 wives. It's, it's, you gotta, you <laughs> Question. Does Warren Jeffs get just like a fucking the middle school bus of kids showing up on conjugal visit day? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've been asked not to answer yes? that question. That's horrible. I also I also want to point out that like at this point the narrator's like, and at this point with Joey in jail, the Mormons were scattered all over the place. I'm like, no, no, no. We call those schisms, not scatters. <laughs> schisms. <laughs> so the Liberty Jail is amazing for Joseph Smith. So there he had nothing to do other than just sit in this jail cell with five of his buddies and just think and write letters to the Mormons who were trying Most, to move. Mostly write letters. <laughs> <laughs> so the point that I want to take out of this is at the, in the Liberty letters, I, I read this on, on my episode. I think I called it Liberty love letters because we see Joseph's letters that he was sending to Emma. And he's just like, give the kids my love. You know, I long to see you. And then we see this letter that he sent to Lucinda Morgan Pendleton. And this this letter is amazing because she, she would later become one of his wives. And she's, he says, 
It was such a joy to see you. My heart rejoiced in your presence and all of the brethren were so delighted. Like the difference in Joseph's terminology and phrasing that he was using when he was talking to his actual wife, Emma, as opposed to talking to this woman who would become one of his polygamous (laughs) wives. When you read them side by side, it's really funny to watch. (laughs) Hunt is your conjugal visit. Bring sister. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Thanks for your visit. Very best, Joseph Smith. I love you so much, baby. It's just you and me against the world. (laughs) But after six months, Joey and Hiram escaped, right? Because, you know, they'd broken no laws, so you can just escape from jail. And And again, broken no laws. Broken no laws. Literally does not talk about how they escaped. The movie is just like, yeah, they uh, escaped. Doesn't matter. Well, how the grace of God. It said, the yeah, grace but, of God. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It doesn't talk about them bribing the cap their captors when they were moving from one jail to another with money and whiskey, and those captors <laughs> coming or those the constables coming back into Nauvoo after they had established it to collect the bill. Like it doesn't talk about that. No, it's the grace of God that released I, them. Yeah, exactly. And of course, this is where they moved to Nauvoo, Illinois. Yes. Um, so, okay. So we moved the story to Nauvoo. Um, and Nauvoo was apparently a, a plague filled swamp, but it was their plague filled swamp. <laughs> right. And, and, and the montage we get here is of Joey, like everyone else is building this town in the swamp, but don't worry. Joey was doing the hard work of, magic healing people he's just walking around <laughs> heal 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 and and you love this right because you know the true story of this is that people are dying building this temple for joseph in the swamp and he's walking around going ooh you know i'd love to dig out that big muck pit but uh dave's got a cold and i was just over there giving him the old wibble wobble if you know what i'm saying so, uh, yeah keep up the good work everybody keep up the good work <laughs> At one point, he cradles away a baby's sickness. He just like does like the baby moving thing. Yeah, and, uh-huh. like, and no more rickets. Great. <laughs> and then he heals everyone else too. I just wanted I wanted a scene where he's like trying to like, awkwardly swaddle a town full of adults and like breast, <laughs> breastfeed them back to health or whatever the fuck he did. <laughs> And they show the one kid that he healed, but not the hundreds of dead Mormons that he tried to heal, but didn't. Yeah. Right? And let's just take a second back to appreciate the meta here. They are all here dying from malaria because of Joseph Smith. They are right. all religious refugees because of Joseph's actions, not religious persecution, but because Joseph was trying to overthrow the Missouri goddamn government. That's why they're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. But they so they they build their new town. Uh, we skip ahead five years. Uh, by then, Navu was a pretty happening place. Joey was still just a preaching away. Yeah, <laughs> and this is where we get the beginning of missionaries. He's just standing in front of a big group of people. All right, everyone, hear me out. Teenagers in short sleeve, button down shirts, bothering people just. All the fuck over the place. It's making it happen. <laughs> I'm talking wherever you go, you see him and you're just like, man, that kid's having a rough week. You just like y'all, you're gonna just a series of sad teenagers who need a hug. Also, then they start a bar and fuck a lot of people. It's a whole thing. <laughs> also, okay, so we see the the scene where they're putting out the missionaries for the first time. 
and we see in the background a couple of black women getting interested in it. And I'm oh, like, oh, ladies. This is important. <laughs> ladies, oh, you're going to have to wait till 1978. Okay. <laughs> this. Yeah. So we meet these black people, right? There's the thing and the Scottish people come and people come from all over to oh, join the Oh, they were the showing thing. up by the boatload. But then we actually learn who that black person was. Bryce, you have some notes about this person. It is amazing. Do you want to tell us who this black woman is? Yes. Oh my God. This is so beautiful. Okay, so this actually all plays into Missouri because this scene that we're talking about where they show the missionaries, that's actually a flashback to 1830, uh, 1831. Mm. One of the primary catalysts that caused so much conflict between the Missourians and the Mormons was the Mormons were proselyting to freed slaves in Missouri. Missouri was the northernmost slave state. So <laughs> these freed slaves were learning how to read by reading the Book of Mormon, and then they would go and teach their family members how to read, and that is obviously a threat to the entire economic and social structure of the Missourians, right? The slave-owning Missourians. So the fact that they had these women show up in, you know, when these Mormons are preaching in 1831 just shows like, oh, wait, oh, this is exciting. Okay, then we get to Jane Manning James, who is one of these converts. And Jane Manning James is held up as like, Joseph was such a progressive. He had this this black female servant that was working in his house. Uh, like he had a lot of other Wait. female servants living in his house. Um, whatever, that's... Slaves? Are you just saying, you want to just say the word slaves? <laughs> I feel like that's what you're getting at. He wasn't paying them. <laughs> interns. Jane. Black female interns. <laughs> Jane Manning James... Ended up going out to Utah with the Brighamites. She did not stay with Emma Smith in Nauvoo after Joseph's death. She pled with Brigham Young repeatedly to be sealed to Joseph and Emma Smith like so many of his other wives and so many other people had been. And there was the law of adoption being practiced at the same time where Joseph was adopting men into his family as well. It's like this whole big, cohesive, one big happy Mormon family in the afterlife. So Jane Manning James was not allowed to be sealed to Joseph as one of his daughters. However, she was able to sit in the temple while a white woman stood in by proxy for her <laughs> and was sealed to Joseph and Emma as oh their God. eternal slave. Their eternal slave. So the person they chose to put in the movie, which was made in 2005, was a lady who was not just their slave, which already you're going to want to gloss that over, right? <laughs> but the lady who was their eternal slave, who Mormons believe is still up in heaven being a slave to Joseph Smith. <laughs> like Handmaid's Tale. Like, yes, just like yes, fucking yes. Handmaid's Tale. They put that and in the movie. And wasn't allowed to be in the ceremony. They were like, all right. Right, I mean, you right, can yeah. Be we'll enslave you for eternity, but I uh, don't want any. <laughs> in our uh, temple. Yeah. All right. So now it's time to spend a little time about how monogamous and progressive in terms of feminism Joseph Smith was. So this is the scene where we have Joey's out in his yard beating a rug and <laughs> uh, this Scottish guy comes by and says, you know, he's basically going, Joey, you're doing ladies work. You're a prophet. You shouldn't do late. In fact, you should do absolutely no work at all as a prophet, <laughs> really, when you think right. about it. And this is where Joseph tells him, look, if you don't do the chores, your wife's going to get mad at you. And I really really wanted to hear the full version of this conversation. 
But, Brother Joseph, why do you not tell your wife to do the chars? Here, my brother, the Lord has intended us all to be wed for all of our days, and that means that you must help in the home. Ah, I see, I see. Also, foot rubs. Sorry, foot rubs? Yeah, like foot massages. You gotta do them. It takes 10 minutes. They go crazy for me. You just rub the feet. They're, they're always hurting, always sore. Rub rub the feet, prophet? I'm supposed to yep. rub? Yep. Also, you're gonna have to masturbate on the toilet. I'm sorry, what? Look, I mean, you got like three, maybe four loads a day you gotta get out, and ain't nobody catching four fastballs a day. You're gonna have to start taking some long shits, if you know what I mean. I'm actually gonna go now. This go, is not... Like, hide download some good shit onto your phone is what you should do for all the... uh those toilet wanks you're going to need. Okay, thank you. Like a lot. It can't be just the same thing over because eventually that won't, yep. it won't get you. Got it. Okay. Now that's some good advice right there. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, actually, good, it is. Yeah. It is. You got to be rich, have a big dick, or do chores. Right. So, <laughs> rub feet and beat off on the uh, toilet. I've been happily married for 21 years, guys. That's the secret. Chores then? Chores, yeah. Beating off on the toilet. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Yeah, but Joe, the, the the key on this scene, though, is that Joey and Emma sure did have a happy marriage without any problems or any strife or any taking the other person's work of God and then demanding that he recreate at least one page of it or you won't believe him about it. None of that ever happened. They were very happy together. <laughs> and you like you have to get, cut Joe a little slack, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, do some chores around the house. Well, he had like you know, 30 houses that he was, you know, a <laughs> husband. And like, that's a lot of menial labor. Um, because yeah, just you, running through, just beating one rug after the other. He's got them all lined up. And tell you what, you all line up. Exactly. He's doing like a marathon. <laughs> They're throwing water on him in between rugs. <laughs> I feel like this documentary came out right after a BuzzFeed expose of Joseph Smith came out. It was like, hey, yeah, hey, right, I right. just want to say, uh, I know Joseph. Good guy. Uh, really. <laughs> Wrote lots of nice stuff on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> then he jumped in his time machine and burned down BuzzFeed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's burn it. Let's, let's build another temple. All right, come on. Let's or, let's have dad die. Let's have something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Now, yeah, we even have a little montage of Joey only loving Emma where they, they have leaf fights and they play on swings and stuff. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she didn't have time for any of this shit. Like he was building a city from the ground up and like meeting with dignitaries and like courting 33 wives and yeah. like attending Masonic Lodge and running his red brick store into the ground. And uh, they had all the public works projects like, you know, digging a canal through Nauvoo to channel water and power all their machines. There were a lot of things he was doing. He didn't have time to go lollygag with the local kids. Yeah, no leaf fighting. That was that was just an addition. It's not historically accurate. Um, okay, so now we get Joey's dad dying because we have to get another emotional punch in this story. Um, and of course, on the deathbed, dad's like, Joey, will I ever see Alvin again? And Joey's like, yeah, whatever I have to tell you to make you give me money. That's kind of my thing. What yeah. sure. You just say you like my book and you're all set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted the dad to die by going, Alvin! Get it? Huh? <laughs> Chipmunks. Ah, you guys. Blech. All right. I have to also point out, so this is when the actual practice of baptisms for the dead, Mormon necromancy, came into play, which Joseph revealed after his dad died. And, oh, will we see Alvin again? And then... 
he like did it. And a whole bunch of Mormons just started getting baptized for all their dead loved ones. And then Joseph reneged on it and was like, hey, you can't do any more baptisms until the temple and my mansion are done. Because they were fucking around too much. They were too busy. <laughs> Stop Jesus. saving your dead relatives. You can remove them from hell when my wall is built. Okay? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I need a bathroom for each bedroom for all the wives. I finished <laughs> basement. And okay. And now they build another temple. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, his life is just as repetitive as his book. This is going to happen 11 more fucking times, isn't it? Right. And there's this great moment where one of the women is just like, why are we building another temple? Seems like a huge waste of time and resources. We just said that everyone's poor and we're stuck. And he's like, hey, 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 two words. Tax. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, even though all they were doing was hanging out. Going temples, being super nice. A giant gang of evil people tried to kidnap oh, no. him and send him to Missouri again. Yeah, now keep in mind here, they're like, and they're trying, because that's what they're trying to sell, right? They were just trying to live their lives and do their thing. And then, wouldn't you know it, Missouri made a big damn deal about the escaped felons that were living one state over and asked Illinois to give them back, you know? Oh, Jesus. This is one reason why the location of Nauvoo was really advantageous to Joseph, because he was constantly on the run from government officials, from Missouri, from Illinois, from from multiple states. So they were right on the Mississippi. Whenever somebody would come into Nauvoo trying to serve one of his dozens of arrest warrants, he would just hop in a skiff and go over to the Iowa Territory and boom, they're out of their jurisdiction because no interstate police force existed at this time. Oh, right, right. It's actually kind of brilliant. Kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah, for a little for a little while, limited brilliance, your experiences may vary um, because he does get killed at the end of this story. (laughs) They also said that Joe was to be extradited on false charges. Yeah. Fuck you. You just said he fucking escaped from jail. You said uh, that in your movie. You're now like telling us that you're full of shit. We can't believe anyone. Damn it. And false chart, yeah, arson, robbery, high treason, the kingpin of an unauthorized militia who waged open war <laughs> against Missouri militia, burn and pillage towns cha- to the ground. Like, those, yeah, false charges, sure. No, fuck you. And they're all mad about it. They're like, the fucking authorities took it as defiance when we did all those things, Bryce just like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and then and then they try to like pull him they they try they take him into custody, try to take him to Missouri, but then up uh, in in their own movie again, a militia of Mormons shows up, stops the people who are acting under the order of the state governor at rifle point. And then they're like, oh, but we invited him to a party, though, afterwards, so it made it okay. And yeah. then invited them to dinner. Oh, At this my point, God. I was watching this with Anna. At this point, Anna turns to me and just goes, this is the shittiest production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers I've ever seen. <laughs> seven Brides for One Brother. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, th- of course, we don't talk about him burning the Nauvoo expositor to the ground because it published no. an expose on his polygamy. No, we don't talk about the, the open act of tyranny that he committed. They, and this is the th- weird thing. The uh, the narration here gets really repetitive. The mom keeps saying they said they would give him fair treatment, but they didn't give him fair treatment. Fair treatment, fair treatment. And again, the wild, wild country references here are so 
fucking samesies. It's just, I wanted Sheila to like drop down from the ceiling and be like, you should put some poison in people's Wendy's. What? Sorry, nothing. <laughs> See you in 150 years. Goodbye. It's just, right, because what, what that story means by fair treatment is joining our religion and letting us commit crimes, right? Because well, right. what would happen is, and I did some reading on this, what would happen is, Joseph would then turn around to congregation members and people being like, why does the governor say you're a traitor? And he'd be like, look, me and the governor, we're going to sit down. We're going to play some pinochle, maybe some putt cheesy, maybe some cockroach poker. I don't know what we're going to play, but we're going to work this whole thing out. And if they do anything else, it's because they betrayed me. OK, I'll see you guys in a little bit. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So now we get the scene where where. Uh, Joey's going to go turn himself in, but first he has to have some sad music preaching. Oh my God. <laughs> so melodramatic. Just look, though I know I send myself to certain death, I am amazing. And a great guy. I will not try to use my magic powers to stop a bullet and fail and, and shit myself. I'm going to go out like a total badass in case yes. anybody asks. He might as well be wearing an I'm going to die sign during and, this and montage. And dragging a cross behind him on his horse. Yeah. Uh and Joseph was arrested or appeared in court 42 times <laughs> Jesus Christ. during his 14-year ministry. Okay? <laughs> he gave this speech more than just this one last time, saying I'm like a lamb to the slaughter because one of these times he was going to be right, and yeah, this right. time he was. The 42nd time his mom's just like, I know, honey. Have fun getting arrested. I'll see you later. <laughs> you are a martyr, hon, I'm sure. All right, and now at long last, we get to Carthage, Illinois, June Woo! of 1844. I was and literally chanting, shoot him, <laughs> yeah. shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> and even the narrator was like, what came, what happened came as no surprise. No shit. <laughs> Maybe not the way that you're viewing it, but yeah, we can understand what was going on. He was also running for president because he wanted to overthrow the goddamn government. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was long overdue. So we have this insane slow motion bullet montage. It's like a hitman movie, Ang Lee deranged. Oh, <laughs> things are explode. There's a dove flying up in front of Joseph's face. And then he turns to the window and starts to run towards it in slow motion. And then a title screen comes up and it's like, he got he got shot. He's dead. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, okay. There are so many little Easter eggs for the Mormon historian here. Cause like, I'm sure all the shit that we're seeing getting shot, you can go see in the Mormon museum and buy your own shot clock replica or whatever. <laughs> um, and of course my, my whole time, I, I'm just writing in here. This is such bullshit. Han shot first. This is complete nonsense. Um, but yeah, but they show the broken window again. Like they don't show him like getting shot out the window or anything. That's just an Easter egg. If you happen to know the history, apparently. Yeah, because I wrote in my notes based on the truth of this movie, I would be zero percent surprised if he jumps out of the window and then takes flight, turns all <laughs> the bullets into chicken dinner to feed everybody. Like, <laughs> how surprised would you be if he just flew out that window? Zero based on no, this movie. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like no, on Bird a flying Man. horse up to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So he gets killed. And and so now, just as they're finishing their second temple, they decide to move on. 
all of them together, all in one voice, <laughs> decide to follow Brigham Young out to Utah. How God unlikely. Damn it. Led, God led God. by his mom. She's just like, all right, everybody. Brigham Young's the fucking bee's knees. 100%. Yep. We're all in agreement. <laughs> <sighs> Lucy Mack never gave her blessing to Brigham Young. The Smiths, most of the Smiths fucking hated bloody Brigham Young for many, many reasons. There was a huge rift between the Mormons who went out to Utah, the Brighamite Mormons, and the ones who stayed in Illinois. Like, mm, yeah. Well, this, yeah. This is frustrating. No, but the way they put, present it, Joey's mom's like, all right, well, some of us will stay here, but only because we're old and can't make the trip. We sure do still think Brigham Young is second in command. Amen. And and then we we wrap it up. It's just like in 1846, Brigham Young led the first 70,000 pioneers westward. And I wanted to come up and say, and that's where the real bloodbaths began. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the Morrisites. Let's talk about the Aiken murders. <laughs> Let's talk about the Hansmill massacre. Let's talk about the Native Americans. All, you know, yeah, more than 10,000. Right, right. That the Mormons like sold them flour with broken glass in it. Like, oh, let's, let's talk but, about any of that, please. Nope. Any? Any? Nope. No, we're just nope. going to get okay. drone shots of Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> it. I love it, too. Like, I was like, because then they show the Salt Lake City temple, and I'm like, holy fuck, if there were one more temple, this would be an honorary Zelda game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Look at all of our great and spacious buildings. And I and I love, okay, so at this end, they're playing Praise to the Man, which I thought wrapped it all together so well because at the beginning, that first skeptical woman before Joseph, uh, before when she was talking to Lucy and she's like, oh, why don't you ask Joseph yourself? She said, I hear that the Mormons worship Joseph Smith. And at the end of it, we're playing Praise to the Man to commune <laughs> with Jehovah. It's so goddamn perfect. You could not have written it better. Oh, I was relishing that moment to the deepest core of my being. Oh, God, it was perfect. Amazing. I also love that this movie ends with no credits. No one wanted their name. They were all too proud. To I'm put good. Their... I'm good. The movie yeah. cast. <laughs> Okay, well, all that, and that's where it ends, of course. And I, I got to thinking to myself, look, if these assholes can rewrite history, so can we, damn it. So to close things off tonight, I'm going to give each of you a chance to tell me something about your personal history with the same level of humility and honesty that the Mormons used in this film. Ooh. <laughs> mm, all right. Uh, end low. Eli was cast as Elder Cunningham in the Book of Mormon on Broadway. <laughs> he was also go on to be that snowman and could afford a house, but... Not just any house, <laughs> one that wasn't filled with 1950s poison. <laughs> um, and verily, Bryce did attend a live podcast in Seattle and brought the host delicious sacrament to help calm their stage fright. <laughs> one of the hosts mistakenly thought that there was a special ingredient and thought that he started feeling funny, but that was purely psychosomatic and had nothing to do with the sacrament. And behold, Bryce never smelled like goddamn soup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one. I got one. And so it came to pass that Noah totally had his shit together and didn't forget to eat and sleep and bathe while Lucinda was gone. <laughs> Uh, and lo, Heath once took off his shirt during sex, and he's, <laughs> he's definitely sure that the vagina has a back wall and is not infinite. 
right. Well, Bryce, I can't thank you enough for dropping a little knowledge on us today. Obviously, there was so much more to talk about. Uh, so if people want to learn more about all the details of what really happened, where should they go? Yeah, they should check out Naked Mormonism. That's the Serial Mormon History Podcast. Everything is so much deeper than you could ever imagine. And I'm only just scratching the surface with that podcast. And uh, of course, I'm also on My Book of Mormon, where we read through the canon of the, the Mormon church. And we're just about to finish with Doctrine and Covenants. We just did the polygamy revelation. That was so much fun. So yeah, or anywhere, Twitter, social media, Naked Mormonism, you can find me anywhere. Awesome. And of course, we'll have Bryce's shows linked on the show notes. And well, that does it for our review of Joseph Smith, Prophet of the Restoration. That's not going to do it for the episode just yet, because Mormon Movie Month is just getting started. So Eli, tell us what's on deck. We'll be watching three Mormon short films, Pride, The Doctrine of Grace, and On the Way Home, with one beautiful, beautiful thing in common. But you'll have to tune into the show to find out what that is. So with that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode 146 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to Bryce for hanging out with us today, and a perhaps even huger thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful, and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist, Citation Needed, and The Skeptocrat, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Our theme song was written and performed by Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. All of the music was written and performed by our audio engineer, Morgan Clark, and was used with permission. Thanks again for giving us a check of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick, I'm no illusions. Promise to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with a Breakfast Club close. Mormons eventually got a church member onto the ballot for President of the United States. But he announced how he trades women like garbage pail kids and <laughs> ended up losing to a Lamanite. It was embarrassing. L. Ron Hubbard would eventually make Mormons seem basically normal. But for real, though, the avocado toast was delicious. <laughs> it was really, really, really good. worth it. Brigham was Young it? was a theocratic dictator. Okay, you went with the true one. We were all... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no, I guess, I guess we all went with true ones. I guess we all... Eli, just put in, you know, whatever words you want. You can actually say whatever it oh is my. that oh. you have in mind. It's going to be interesting to actually this hear this on the other side of the Yeah, recording. no, I just, I, <laughs> it, it's a nerve, it's a nerve wracking moment when you say to Eli, say whatever you want, I'll censor it later. <laughs> Dude, that is perfect that beyond belief. Oh my God. <laughs> Painter in the 20th century. <laughs> that is so absolutely perfect. Yeah, no, don't, don't mention anybody that Joseph Smith had killed or any armies that he raised or any governments that he tried to overthrow or any <laughs> other women that he married. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, All right. wow. <clears throat> Look at him clean right. this rug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boy, could he pull a stick. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC, copyright 2018, all rights reserved.